Well, good morning, all you lovely beaconers. Um, this is week five in our Joseph series. Um, seemed to have gone by very quick. Um, but I think it's about week 11 in the lockdown, and that seems to have gone even quicker. Um, and of course, you're really bored, and then probably you're finding it difficult. But um, this is week five, and um, uh, a title has been suggested for this morning's message. Um, Forgotten by men, but not by God. Um, and it comes out of the fact that um, Joseph, having asked um, the butler to remember him to Pharaoh when he got out of prison, he forgot all about it. And Joseph was left for another two years in prison. But uh, before we go any further, let's read the passage from Genesis 40. The 23 verses in it and a little bit after it in, in chapter 40. So we begin reading at, at verse 1. Sometime after this the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offence against their lord the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them and they continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning he saw that they were troubled so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. And as soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of his house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I have done nothing that they should put me in, into the pit. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favourable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were these three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost darkness, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. Naughty birds. And Joseph answered and said, this is this interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang it on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. 
On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So that's all about our launch verse, but it doesn't tell us an awful lot. In the first bit of chapter 41, it tells us that Joseph was left in the prison for two years before things started to happen again. Last week, you might remember Mick, who was giving us the talk, left poor Joseph in prison, wrongly accused for seducing his employer's wife. How do you forget a situation of injustice like this? Who are you going to get to believe your story? Or why weren't you given a chance to defend yourself or explain? Joseph lived his life knowing that he was accountable to the lives and position of others around him. Also, life was accountable to God. This was his demonstration of faith and that there was a higher throne to that of Egypt or of any other household rules that Joseph might have to have kept for his master. It was by this faith and that throne which enabled him to move on and not to vegetate or to agitate or to cogitate or to aggravate you know, many of us get troubled with situations that we can't resolve ourselves and it causes us to have that sort of reaction. Sometimes people vegetate or they get agitated or cogitate, think for hours about it, trying to work in it out or even get aggravated. And that's how it affects us. And sometimes I wonder, you know, how it is Joseph didn't seem to be like this. This accusation to Joseph could have been the last straw for him. After his brothers hated him, planned to kill him, ostracise him, and then sell him as a slave to foreigners, ending up in the employ of a man who had the power of life and death in Egypt. Well, instead of it being the last straw, it was the beginning of the story that would lead to the fulfilment of dreams that God had given Joseph when he was a teenager. In actual fact, the story starts off when Joseph was 17. That's how, it, how it all the story begins. The story of Joseph is very detailed and um, it's a lovely story and uh, it's full of prophetic parallels, especially about the life of Jesus. But interestingly, also about Egypt as a land and a people. Um, and it's about a prophetic thing which happened to Egypt at that time. And God blessed the land through Joseph. But it was also laying the foundation what God was going to do in a future day. So the story is full of prophetic parallels um, about Egypt as a land and a people which are yet to be fulfilled. 
And uh, for those of you who are interested, you, there's, a, there's a verse at the end of Isaiah 19, verses 24 and 25, which I believe have yet to be fulfilled. Some of the passage has been fulfilled already, um, but it, it reads like this. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. Whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. I think it's a fantastic verse, and I believe it's yet future to happen in God's timing and his purposes. So the story is full of prophetic parallels. But um, there's one thing I'm curious about as I read the story of Joseph. I'm curious because in the narrative of Joseph, there doesn't seem to be any record of any retributive action or verbal protest from him. It is a sort of sucking us in to have a closer look at why this is so. Because earlier instances in the Bible rather stand out in comparison of protest, people protesting. Do you remember Cain protesting that his offering wasn't accepted by God as his brother Abel's was? He protested by killing his brother. That was his protest. And it is because his offering wasn't accepted by God. You remember, or you might not remember, but you can read about it, that Noah went berserk. And, caused, and cursed his son, Ham, because after seeing his father in a compromising situation, went out and told his brothers about it. And Noah rather didn't like that, and he went, he cursed his son for doing that. That's a protest, that's a reaction. In Exodus 32, Moses threw the tablets of stone to the ground after a meeting with God, and they broke because the people he had been leading had entered into corrupt and unholy forms of worship. Moses protested and he threw those tablets of stone which had the Ten Commandments on them, he threw them to the ground. And you remember more towards Joseph's nearer family, Esau hated his brother Jacob and planned to kill him given the opportunity. Esau's protest was that Isaac had blessed his younger brother, even though he had sold his birthright to Jacob for a meal. These protests, these, these reactions, and yet my curiosity is that you actually don't read anything like that with all that was levelled against Joseph's life. As I said earlier, the story of Joseph is one of the most detailed accounts. And when a guy has been hurt so much, you have to ask, there's something missing in this story. It's included in the other stories. <clears throat> Why isn't it, isn't it in this story? Well, there's either something missing or the story has something which can only be revealed by God as we look further. <clears throat> Something very special, I think. It's in the story for us. 
So Joseph doesn't protest at any of the things that has happened to him, even though he's had, had every reason to. But the unfolding story beyond this immediate part of the story lets us in a little bit further. Further on, after Joseph has been promoted and he's been married <clears throat> and uh, his wife gives birth to two sons. They're not twins, probably one before the other, obviously. <clears throat> but this is what Joseph said, and he named his firstborn Manasseh. And it's, I'm not worried about that name so much, but it's the reason. And it just helps us to, it underlines what we don't really see in other parts of the story. He named his firstborn Manasseh because God, God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. In a sense, this was God remembering. The butler forgot him, but in a sense, God was remembering here and helping him because Joseph said, God made me forget all my trouble. We read other places in, in the Bible that God is our helper, a very present help in times of trouble. And that remains so today. The very fact of Jesus coming into this, into this, into, um, onto this earth and living amongst people it, it, is a fact of God caring and helping us understand what he can do for us. So Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Did he want to forget his family? I don't know. But as we read towards the end of the story of Joseph, we, have to, we find that he actually had to face these two issues right to the very end. Even though God had helped him to forget, yeah, he had to he got it in a very special and unique way. In that fact, he didn't hold it against them. Uh, there's a very important lesson for us, really, not to hold anything against people, especially when God has forgiven us. A little bit later on, then, in the story, um, when Joseph has met his brothers after they came there to get food and stuff and the story unfolds and they talk through the problems and the situation and the past. Um, we sort of overhear the brothers saying this and they said one to another, in truth, we're guilty concerning our brother. In that, we saw the distress of his soul. That tells us something what Joseph was going through. They saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. I don't know if you can, we can try and understand that scene, you know, and when Joseph was pleading for his life. It doesn't tell us back there early in the story, but it comes out now. It comes out now just what was going on. And God made him forget his trouble. That's amazing. The brothers thought this was God's retribution on them for doing what they did. <clears throat> well, back to our passage. Um, Joseph, having interpreted the butler's dream, 
requested a favour from him that he be shown kindness by mentioning his, his name to Pharaoh. <clears throat> However, the last verse of the passage that we read, the butler did forget Joseph and he was forgotten for about two years and then things changed. And this two-year period didn't help Joseph's situation, did it? You know, long drawn-out periods of, of problems and difficulties, maybe through this coronavirus, it's being long and drawn out, I don't know. It doesn't help the situation. Sometimes it makes it worse. But Joseph was forgot for about two years. And we could ask ourselves, what was he feeling like? How was he reacting? What was he doing? But Joseph was serving a greater purpose. It wasn't his just serving him. God wanted to touch the lives of many godless Egyptians. He wanted to provide for them. And God had his hand upon Joseph in order that he might partner with him in this so that he could understand both the highs and the lows of life and what it was to be in that sort of environment in Egypt. We don't know. Many awful things went on in a godless society. Joseph obviously knew and witnessed to the fact that God was in it, which is something he was remembering despite his circumstances. We see it in the stories, not a lot, but you know, you just detect Joseph you know, was remembering that God was with him and he hadn't forgot. From the beginning to the end of the story of Joseph, there appears to be one thing that emerges in Joseph's response and reaction. It's the power of total forgiveness. There is a popular phrase we say, forgive and forget. But sometimes they're two impossibilities some things that we find difficult to do, and many people do, to forgive and forget. But this is possible with God. This is a possibility. With God, all things are possible. The process to forgive and forget. And this is what's happening in this story. However, we never forget, neither does an all-knowing God forget. We read, we read about God forgetting our sins. He doesn't actually forget. He chooses to forget so that it doesn't affect us, but it blesses us. That's God's grace and mercy to us. He chooses to forget so that we might be liberated from any consequence of his wrath, curse, or any form of retribution. What's he doing? He's letting us in. He's letting us into his plan. He's beckoning, up, beckoning us in and want to be part of his story, part of his blessing, his love, his grace, and his mercy. So I use the word total forgiveness. And why do I do this? Well, when we set out to do this series, we were reminded of a book that was written uh, by a great preacher and writer, R.T. Kendall. The book's titled this, God Meant It For Good. And that phrase actually comes out at the end of the story. It's what Joseph said when he he looked back on all the problems and the reunion with his brothers and his family. He said, God meant it for good. Now, I bought this book second hand. I bought it on Amazon and some, somebody obviously 
uh, had it before me and um, I was just browsing. I haven't read the book through yet, but I was just browsing through it and I came across a chapter in this book, chapter 29, entitled Total Forgiveness. And in my spirit, I just felt that God would have me read from this book um, to finish off this message. It's about total forgiveness, because I believe that's where Joseph was when he said, God made me forget all my trouble through the process of forgiveness. God made him forget so that it didn't hurt him any longer and it didn't hurt any others. In actual fact, it was the means of blessing people and blessing Joseph himself. So I'm going to read just one or two bits from this chapter on forgiveness, and I'm sure we'll find them a help. Could it be, could it be that you're trying to drive a bargain with God, but you haven't discovered your real need, the need to be forgiven of all your sins? That is what the brothers needed. It was really what they wanted, but you couldn't have told them that. Not at first, anyway. They hadn't even been thinking along those lines. We all tend to deny what we want because what we really would seem utterly out of our reach. We just can't believe that God could be that good. God is that good and he wants to deal with all that hurts us and all that keeps us from him. God is really that good. Total forgiveness is demonstrated to you when someone shows that he doesn't want anybody else to know what you have done to him. If when you forgive me, you make it clear that you don't want anybody to know what I've done to you, that you are not ever going to let them find out, I would call that truly forgiving. It's a way of protecting people, you know. What was the first thing that Joseph did? After his brother Judah finished his speech, Joseph cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him. Joseph just wanted to be alone. He didn't want else, else to know. It was just between them. It is the unforgiving spirit that wants to let the world know your own hurt. Love hides a multitude of sins. It is hate that wants to let the cat out of the bag. Hate wants everybody to know you've been hurt. Here's what so-and-so did to me. Oh, did they do that to you? Yes. Oh, that's awful. Yes, it is. This is what they did to me. Total forgiveness is when you protect the one you forgive. Total forgiveness wants to make a person feel completely at ease. Joseph's brothers could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Therefore Joseph said to them, 
Come near to me, I pray you. Why did he ask them to come near? He wanted them to be at ease in his presence, being the king, being the, uh, the Lord over the land now. He wanted them to be at ease in his presence. He wanted them to know by the look on his face that there was no hate whatever. In his eyes, there was no feeling of vengeance, not the slightest desire to make them feel uneasy. Hate hopes that another will feel uneasy. When you don't forgive, you want that other person to feel uncomfortable in your presence. You want them to squirm. You hope he fully realises what he's done. The look on your face tells it all. You don't forgive. Total forgiveness is not allowing them to feel uneasy. Total forgiveness will not even allow the person to feel bad or angry with himself. Joseph said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved or angry with yourselves. That's total forgiveness. Don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. Total forgiveness is when you make it easy for that person to forgive himself. You do it in such a way that is obvious. You really do forgive. This can be done. Joseph put it like this. Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. In other words, behind all that happened was a sovereign God looking out after them. These are difficult and very hard things to deal with. But, you know, maybe, maybe this is where you could be or someone close to you. So the title of the message has slightly changed as we've come to the end. When man forgets God, when man forgets, God remembers. Joseph was willing to forget in order for others to be let in. Is there someone in your life story you need to let in or are you keeping them out? What we learn from Joseph today is how to forgive. Read the story over and over again. It's so important as Christians because, you know, maybe someone wants to understand what this powerful thing is all about, this forgiveness. Maybe there's someone you need to let in. Think about it, pray about it, and may God bless his word to us. Bless you. Thank you.